who am I now that I'm not the founder and president of Lightspan Digital? Who am I now? I spend so much being identified with that business, with that journey. The biggest adjustment was to accept that actually everything I had built was still part of me, even if my title is not that anymore. Looking around us, it's clear we're living in a time of transition. So many of us are grappling with personal and professional turning points and asking ourselves, what now? As I'm currently navigating this very complex question myself, I want a quest to talk to regular people like you and me who have also found themselves in the messy middle of life. Hear their stories and learn how they're taking bold action to move forward with clarity and conviction. This is the What Now Project. Hi, and welcome back to the What Now Project. The second part of the Not Your Typical Exit series continues with the story of another longtime entrepreneur, Mana Ionescu. When Mana and I met nearly 13 years ago in Chicago, I was embarking upon my first journey into entrepreneurship, and Mana had just launched her own digital agency called Lightspan Digital. This is in the era when businesses were just starting to figure out that social media and digital marketing could be used as a growth tool. And as they struggled to figure out how to use it exactly, Mana left her job in banking to start her own business. Ever since then, she has been demystifying complex marketing concepts and debunking digital marketing myths, appearing on big stages as a keynote speaker, in news media as a talking head, even in her own video series called Mana Minutes. She also worked with some major, major brands. I mean, her portfolio as an agency owner was enviable. Last spring, I had the opportunity to collaborate with Mana on a LinkedIn Live, and just as it did in 2010, it felt like a meeting of minds once again. So you can imagine my surprise when earlier this year, a post popped into my LinkedIn feed announcing Mana's departure from her agency and her new role as the head of digital marketing at Axos Bank in San Diego. Now, although I had made a similar move last year, I was extremely curious about what led to Mana's decision. She had always seemed like the ultimate independent founder. So what happened? What changed? In this raw and real conversation you're about to hear, Mana doesn't sugarcoat the internal battles she faced as she became less connected to her business. So whether you're early in your entrepreneurial journey or thinking about bringing it to a close, Mana's What Now story provides a lot of wisdom for wherever you are on your path. A few warnings and lots of encouragement. Mana, I think the first thing that I would like to talk about today is 
just really sharing with anyone listening your entrepreneurial journey. I remember meeting you, it seems like centuries ago, (laughs) when I think you had had your business for just a couple of years. So I just really would love for people to understand how you got started and how long you have been on this entrepreneurial journey, because it has been a, a really long one, successful one, rich in experience. Yeah, I started, I think, 14 years ago. I'm a 20 plus year veteran in the industry and digital marketing. I started back in the day when YouTube was fresh and hot and email marketing was just in its infancy. We were spamming more than emailing back then. (laughs) And I worked in the banking field and financial services. And then one day I wanted to go down this exciting new path that social media marketing was offering. And I quit my job and started my agency. That was probably about 14 years ago. And I did that for 13 years. And then I was ready for change again. Why I started, I started because I had people who believed in me. I knew that if I wasn't going to try that path, I was going to regret it, that it was almost like part of the portfolio of things I wanted to learn and experience in life. The timing felt right. Financial services, I knew that it was going to take a long time for us to pick up social media marketing and newer channels of digital marketing because it's a highly regulated industry. It was Right after I started my career there, right after September 11. So we had new regulations, a lot, a lot for deal with social media was like, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. And I wanted to be in it from the beginning. So that's how I got started. Great supporters, people who believed in me, my ambitions, <laughs> my view on what my life portfolio should be for me to feel most accomplished. Um, and it worked out. When I met you, it was probably like 2010. And I remember businesses, particularly in the B2B space, were just noticing, oh, social media, it's this thing, and we don't know how to use it, and how should we do it? And it seemed like your agency, you were really trailblazers in that space. What did that feel like at the time? Yeah, you know, in some ways, it was actually kind of easy at the time. Social media marketing has become so complicated now. It was fun. It was easy. Social media was about connecting. That's how you and I met. I think we met at a meetup or a tweet up, what we called it at the time, right? It was all about meeting interesting people and having interesting conversations. And brands were part of that conversation. They were part of the stories we were telling and creating together. And that was very exciting. And I stayed true to that. And to this day, I believe that brands should be part of the conversation in these digital spaces. Over time, it's changed, right? Because social networks added paid advertising and brands started focusing more on that because that was easier than the work to truly connect with people one-on-one. But as we saw that change, we too changed at the agency. We realized the importance of content marketing. And so we expanded into all the ways of telling that story and pulling audiences to us. We were, again, one of the first to focus on content marketing and incorporate social media as part of that and look at every channel as a way to have a continuous homogenous story, a story that follows and moves along our audiences along their journey as they learn new things and 
seek information, move through what Google calls the messy middle, that information gathering process they go through before they make a buying decision. So it was very exciting to be there from the beginning. It changed in some ways in unexpected ways and very fast. And then it really became an industry where now every agency is a digital marketing agency. Every agency can provide social media services. There are very few traditional agencies, as you may call it today. It's all digital. It's true. The agency landscape has definitely evolved since then. In fact, I spent the early years of my career working in smaller agencies, and two of those agencies no longer exist. But Mana's agency always remained steadfast and strong in their commitment to digital and successfully weathered the swift changes in the digital landscape. So what changed? You had your business for well over 10 years. Most people would think that's it. That's now your life and your career forever. When did you start to feel like it was time to do something different? Well, first, I think service industry businesses or being an entrepreneur or whatever label you may choose for when you choose to build something on your own and pay for your own insurance, <laughs> it's not necessarily what it's cracked up to be. It has its tremendous challenges just as working for somebody else does. It has its limitations just as working for somebody else does. And there came a point where those challenges and limitations were bigger than what I was getting out of it emotionally in terms of my learning curve. I wasn't learning anymore. I felt it was flat. I felt that as we grew, my role became more and more of a sales role. And people hate it when I say sales. They say, it's not sales, it's, it's relationship building. Yeah, 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 yeah. But to me, it became a chore. It wasn't exciting anymore. And I wasn't learning as much anymore. I am a digital marketer. I solve problems. I'm not good at closing deals. So I was doing a job that I actually hadn't signed on for. And it actually worked for me for a very long time because people were seeing what I was writing. They were seeing the content that I was producing and they were connecting with me. So I had to be the one continuing that relationship and helping them out as clients. And that's very hard to scale. And I was getting great advice and it wasn't working for me. I couldn't scale that sales process the way I wanted to. So I remained the one doing a job that I wasn't loving. And nobody should do a job that they don't love. So while a lot of people say to me, isn't it great to be your own boss? To, I was my own boss, but I also doing a job I wasn't loving. So might as well go do a job I love and not be my own boss. So now I just have one job. I don't have to be my own boss and do a job I don't love. But that's not true for everybody. A lot of folks are their own boss and are doing a job that they love and they can continue down that path. For me, it was very clear that I couldn't continue doing something I didn't love. I'm curious to know, A, did you share some of these feelings that you were having with others? And if you did, what were some of their reactions? Did people try to talk you through it, talk you out of it? I'm really curious to hear people's reactions from all spectrums, whether it was business colleagues, people in the entrepreneurial space, your family, your friends. 
It's such a great question. So when when you are at a crossroads as an entrepreneur, it is very important that you seek advice. Some paid, it's good to have the paid sorts because then they'll tell you the truth. It's good to have the advisor sorts, the cheerleader type, all of those. And yes, I did all of those. And there were a number of paths in front of me and all advice I got was good. It's a matter of taking it, executing on it, right? So some of the options I was given were you get into it or you get out of it, right? So I get into this this job or the new role that I can craft for myself or I get out of it, which is ultimately what happened. I got out of it. Find somebody to do it for you, spin the company, go into different services, different models. I, I went to sales boot camp. I had trackers. I tried to gamify the process. I did all sorts of things. It took years. The transition took years. And then somebody said to me, pay attention to how your interactions with people make you feel. And maybe the key is to craft your business world, your work world based on of how interactions make you feel, which ones make you feel good, which ones drag you down. And I pulled up my good old StrengthsFinder 2.0. And I looked through that and I was like, I am absolutely not doing the job that fits my talent. And I have to be true to myself and nurture these talents. This is why I have stopped learning. I am not nurturing my talents. I am trying to grow skills that I'm just naturally not that good at. The whole concept of TransFinder is that you will focus on your talents. You will not waste energy on the things that you are never going to excel at. You're just always just going to be good enough. And so, so then I had to think, you know, how do I nurture my talents? How do I stay true to those? What is the right place for me to do so? And do I have the energy and the finances? Do it within my agency to change my role within the agency to focus on my talents. And I did not have the energy to do it. It was at this point, it had been so long that I was struggling to do something I wasn't loving that it drained me. You absolutely have to pay attention to not reach that tipping point. I'm 100% for trying hard, pushing hard, taking your time, but be careful to not go over that edge where you can't scale back again. And that's what happened to me. I drained all of my emotional resources in the attempt to fit my round peg into that square hole or no, the other way around the square, <laughs> square peg. I'd become the square peg trying to fit into the round hole. And then I guess I was stuck, right? So I had to get out of it. Thank you for sharing that. I'm really struck by, first of all, all of the research and all of the work that you did to see if you could right-size this within the context of your business. I think that's amazing. And I'm so glad that others get to hear that, that this wasn't just, you know, I'm dropping all this, I quit, I'm done. You were really thoughtful and strategic about this. I'm also struck by how brave it is to go through all of that and ultimately decide this still isn't working. And maybe where I really truly fit is not in this business, even though I've been building it and working so hard for 10 years or 10 plus years. 
of course, all the things that you learn in your business, you're bringing with you to this new role. And I think that's something that a lot of people who leave entrepreneurship struggle to understand is how much they can bring to a new role, to working a nine to five. Those years aren't all a waste. You're just channeling them into something different. And I think a lot of people get caught up in that sunk cost fallacy when it comes to a career or a business they've been running for a long time and they think, well, now I've got to do this. And it doesn't matter if it's not aligning with my strengths or my passions. I just have to do this. And I think it's really brave that you did all the work to figure out, okay, I can do all of these things, but they're really not working for me. And I've got to do something completely different. So I really applaud you for that. Thank you. It's a process. And very few people talk about the process and how complicated it is and how much goes into it. Sometimes it's harder to end something than to begin something. And that was definitely the case here. It was very easy to start my business journey and it was very complicated to end it. Also because I wanted to do justice by everybody who was involved in the process. My clients, my employees, I was going through personal loss at the time. So it was very complicated, but I wanted to make sure that everybody was okay in that unraveling at the end. And it turned out that it wasn't really an unraveling. I was the one who stepped away. And I actually checked in with my one employee, former employee today, who took over the book of business. And she said, I haven't lost one client. And I was like, it, it worked out. It worked out. <laughs> it worked out. Everybody is set. Before launching into the nitty-gritty of the shutdown process, Romana, I definitely want to give her her props for passing her business on to another aspiring entrepreneur. A way that she was able to secure her legacy and still continue it through another person. I'd love to talk more about the process of that wind down because I have seen that wind down happen a number of ways. I was part of a company actually many years ago, probably shortly before I met you, where the owner decided it was time to bring the business to a close. But before we get into that, I just like to say how amazing it is that you gave your former employee this opportunity to lead her own business now. So it's sort of this legacy that you've passed on that I'm sure at the time it felt really fraught and rough, but down the road, it turned out okay. Honestly, I don't know. Oh, I did it. The last year of the business, many people who have watched my videos and know about me and my cat Mimi, she was in my videos. And my love for her was something I had never experienced before. And she got cancer. She ultimately passed away about a month after I stepped away from Lightspan. And that last year, caring for her and trying to set everything right with the business was a blur. All I can tell you was that I was trying to do right by everybody, including myself. Taking care of me was the hardest part. One of the most beautiful things I've discovered in the entrepreneurship journey was the close connections you build with people who build what you're building alongside you. And many of them became like family to me. And I became very interested and invested and who they develop as people. So it did make the transition a lot easier to have that close relationship and that trust. I cared deeply about our clients and I didn't want them to feel abandoned. And maybe because I was a caregiver to my cat at the time, 
it gave me the opportunity to be in that role as a caregiver to everything else around me. So it was just an, an interesting combination of situations that made me maybe more sensitive to the needs of others. So yeah, but I it, honestly, it was kind of a blur of, of also feeling this urgency of, okay, I've spent a couple of years now exploring it's time to make a final decision. And so everything somehow came together. I wonder about the tidal wave of emotions that come and go when you're in this transition process. Speaking from experience, I know between the time you make the decision and even the time when you start this new beginning, things come up. Every day you sort of have these different feelings. I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you can share any experience or feelings that you experienced, whether it was guilt, shame, oh my gosh, did I make the wrong decision? Oh my goodness. I have so much guilt. I get flashbacks to times when we had to lay off people and how awful that was and how I could have done things differently. I think back on the first time somebody said to me, develop a, a business development arm to your business and I didn't do it. And that would have been the right time. Things would have been different. I just went to a conference and for the first time in ages, it was like, I am the buyer and I'm watching how others are pitching to me and how they're presenting themselves and their services. And I'm like, why didn't I do that? So there's a lot of that. But the hardest part was the grief, the grieving the change in identity or struggling with that change in identity. Who am I now that I'm not the founder and president of Lightspan Digital? Who am I now? I spend so much being identified with that business, with that journey. The biggest adjustment was to accept that actually everything I had built was still part of me, even if my title is not that anymore. But that was like really hard. I identified with it so deeply that ultimately, even in the final decision, Lightspan still exists. I still have that same email address. I can't fully part ways with that identity. From that perspective, I still in some ways am transitioning. But yeah, it's actually one of the things that, again, I would advise everybody to be careful about. Don't become the business. It's also the thing that stood in my way of developing a business development arm of my business. I became the business and others couldn't sell on my behalf. And so in the end, that was also, and it still is. I mean, I'm, st I'm still grieving. It's been seven months maybe. And in some ways it's harder today than it was then. This identity piece continues to come up in these conversations with other ex-entrepreneurs. And I love what Mana said here. I think it is so important, whether you intend to hold your business for 10 years or 100, to make sure you're developing your identity outside of it so you can weather the storm during those moments when your business can't. At the same time, I am amazed at how easy it was for me to take on this role and to be to my employees today what they're needing, I hope. I'm still new, but I did find the right role for me. And that helps tremendously. It helps tremendously reset my self-identity as it relates to what I'm talented at, what I have to offer. 
being in a place where I can do what I'm good at and develop those skills further does help with that identity transition. That's so helpful. I relate to so much that you just said. That identity piece keeps coming up in conversations that I'm having with other former entrepreneurs who've made the same transition repeatedly that keeps coming up. I love what you said, though, about warnings to other entrepreneurs about not letting your identity get so folded up into your business. And you talk about the dangers that happen, that can happen. I've seen it happen. It's happened to me. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. So let's talk about your work today and what you're doing. And if there's anything that you have realized as a nine to fiver that was missing from your life as a full-time entrepreneur that you're really embracing right now? I really enjoy having a boss. (laughs) Say Um, more about that. (laughs) Well, there's a level of support and guidance that I had to pay to have before. I had to pay my business advisors to be that for me. I had to work to pull together mentors, which I still have. And I was able to find mentors within the organization here. But for me to grow, I have to be challenged. I have to be supported in certain ways that before I had to pay for. And honestly, the accountability wasn't that great before. It's really nice to have more resources. And I'm still in an agency role. We are an internal agency serving our different business units. So from that perspective, also the transition wasn't that bad. And I'm, I'm bringing the skills and the communication skills and ways of servicing customers with me. So it's a good fit. I, I love being in an office. I hope some people hate it. I enjoy my days from home, which are very rare. I enjoy being around people, getting my steps in. So it's just a, a different structure that I, surprisingly, I'm doing very well in. Everything else is the same. I had good insurance before. I have good insurance now. So some of those things are not a big change for me. But the support system, being challenged in new ways, being around people more, really fit who I am and have been going very well. Having this opportunity to be on the other side of the table and being the buyer, and I'm now learning what I didn't know when I owned an agency. And it's teaching me about how important that shift in perspectives is. It truly is mind-blowing what I didn't know as an agency owner that other agencies were doing, that I'm observing now, that I'm detached from it. Like what an amazing opportunity for me to switch seats at the table. So I'm grateful for it. I am just, I am in it. I am like a sponge absorbing everything I can learn. I always tell people probably the worst boss I've ever had is me, <laughs> you know? So I think <laughs> we can be really hard on ourselves. We can also be a little too easy on ourselves in certain situations And feeling like you have to have all the answers. I think that is a really difficult part of being an entrepreneur. I resonate highly with having a boss again. There's, you know, someone else to sort of play those roles and you don't have to do it all. I'm wondering if this shift, if you've noticed, and I know it's only been seven months, if you've noticed a shift in how you approach some of your relationships in your personal life? Has it changed sort of, I don't know, maybe your 
availability to be with people. I know for me, when I had my own business and I would be out with people, I was constantly thinking about it. And I don't know if I was really present in my relationships. I don't know if you had similar feelings because I am finding now that I work a nine to five, I don't think about it as much. And it's had a, a different impact on my relationships. I'm curious to hear mm. if you found anything different and how you interact with people in your relationships. You know, it comes and goes. So there's periods of time where having this job allows me to be a bit more detached in my personal life. And then there's times when we have a big change happening that I have to be a part of. And then my brain keeps going, trying to solve those problems, even when I'm not at work. For me, it's a little bit different because I also changed states, cities. So I'm in beautiful Southern California, which has not been that beautiful because the weather has been terrible, <laughs> but it, I love nature. So it's so easy here to detach on the weekends because I just go on hikes every weekend and to a different place every weekend. So having that accessibility to nature helps me detach a bit more than being in the big city in Chicago, especially in the winter. I don't know many people here. So making new friends, I'm making an effort. I've joined meetups. I've already met quite a few people who are wonderful. I'm just so shocked at how I'm actually making friends this fast. So maybe it is. Maybe I didn't even realize. Maybe your question is just now making me realize that I have been more available because I'm surprised with how fast I've made friends here in the six months I've been here. Or not even six. I moved here in January and now it is May. So it is very different. But in my case, because I also changed places, it's a little hard to tell if it is just a Southern California environment that's helping me be a bit more balanced or if it is a change in job situation. Listen, that resonates. I spent time in Southern California last winter and I still have my business. And one thing I noticed was on the weekends, I never worked on the weekends. And there was a part of me that was like, oh, this feels a little off because I typically would. But there was always something to do. Like you want to take advantage of going on hikes or doing activities outdoors. Yeah. Also, I'm a little bit of a maniac. I also still teach at the Professional Certificate in Digital Marketing at the Kellogg Executive Education School. So I do work on weekends because I grind assignments, but that doesn't feel like work to me. I've always been a bit of a workaholic and I still do some of that. But it's definitely a very different lifestyle, having access to nature it can be very healing. 100% agree with that. Is there anything that you miss about being a full-time entrepreneur at this point? Yeah, I miss the ability to fire clients. In some ways, I do miss the ability to set a standard, my standard, which is very selfish in many ways, my standard of how we should behave as an organization and what charities to align with and this and that. I mean, that is just so utopian. But I did have that, right? I could choose whatever charity we would support or decline supporting a charity. I did sign up for a volunteer event here. So I am supportive of the same charities. But, you know, just the idea of maybe you can find the word for this. But I, can, I could do whatever I wanted from that perspective. Not that I didn't, because... Truly, all of my clients were my bosses. All of my employees were my bosses, right? Ultimately, if you want to be successful, you have to listen to them. So ultimately, 
I would respect my employees' charity choices. That's just a random example, but I kind of miss being like, this is what our value set needs to be. And we are going to stay true to this. And also it's so much easier when you have a small business to ask people to stay true to a set of values. I'm learning it's so much more complicated in a big company and it's a challenge I'm enjoying, but I kind of miss it being a bit simpler in a small business setting to stay true to a set of values or to choose a charity that you support. Once in a while, I want a power trip. (laughs) But that makes a lot of sense. I think one of the things that draws people to entrepreneurship, especially these days, is that opportunity to ensure that their work is aligning with their values and with how they want to show up in the world, what they want to do in the world, what they want to be in the world. That flexibility, it varies in other organizations that you work for. So that makes a lot of sense. Well, before we wrap up, I'm just wondering if there's any advice that you have for entrepreneurs who are considering making the same shift back into nine to five full-time work for a company or an organization. Yeah, I actually do because I learned a lot in the process of searching for the next place, the next adventure for the next place for me. I learned a lot about in the journey to discover where I was going to head next. I learned a lot about who to not listen to. I learned a lot about how you can make others uncomfortable with your search. And you may turn to people for advice. And I had this massive list of books that people were telling me to read. I had this massive list of self-improvement things that I was supposed to do because the impression was that I didn't know what I want to do with myself and with my future. And now when I look back on it, I'm like, duh, you think? That's why I was coming to you for advice. I was stuck. I was trying to find the next thing. I was looking for guidance. If I knew what I would do next, I wouldn't ask for advice. So I got advice from a lot of folks who were incredibly generous with their time, but didn't know what to make of me. And that made me even more uncertain And it was chipping away at my self-esteem until one of my mentors said, pay attention to how interactions make you feel and which ones drag you down and which ones lift you up. So I kept talking to people and instead of taking personally what they said or letting yet another book make me feel like I'm not good enough, another book to read and another course to take, I paid attention to how interactions made me feel and which ones were pushing me forward. And I happened to randomly message on LinkedIn two women. Both of them were recruiters. One of them was an entrepreneur in the, in the recruiting space. And they were presenting themselves as women who help women re-enter the workforce. So working with women who stepped away to be parents, and now they're returning. And I'm like, I'm that person. I just had this child. They're 13 now. <laughs> they're ready to move on. And I... I wrote to them and I call them my career fairy godmothers, complete strangers, but so true to what they said on LinkedIn, they're all about helping women re-enter. And they said to me, I think you need to overcome some preconceived notions because I said, I don't think people know what to make of me. And they were like, yeah, that's true because your background is so different 
And you just have to overcome X, Y, and Z and speak to X, Y, and Z this way. And it completely changed everything for me. So my advice is pay attention to which interactions in your search, in your journey, push you forward and which ones make you feel like you are not enough. Because when you're in that transition, the last thing you want is to feel like you're not enough. And people don't do it purposely. They want to help you. So it's not their fault. The important thing is to watch, is it helping you take the next steps? Or is it adding more unnecessary steps to your journey? And then listen to total strangers. Sometimes we're afraid to go to total strangers. But for me, the most help came out of some LinkedIn interactions with, luckily, these women were really true to what they were projecting on LinkedIn. And it just became the best advice came out of the most unexpected places. And that was the big turning point for me. Meeting my fairy godmother is my fairy career godmother as was unexpected. And that's what's going to be. The journey is going to be unexpected. And so expect that. Don't let that throw you off. Go roll with it. But still, it's your journey. You are the one taking those next steps. And there's tons of people out there who are going to help you along the way. I'm not going to talk about vulnerability. It's over-discussed, but when you make this change, it's hard to open up. It's very hard to open up, right? Because we have all these emotions of guilt and uncertainty and I'm letting myself down. I'm letting other people down. Who am I? Am I lying? Have I been lying to myself this whole time? Have I even been an entrepreneur? You know, what am I? Am I just a big lie? Am I a fraud? All of those questions pop up. Try to quiet those voices and just know that you have learn so much. You have so much to offer. Just moving into a new direction is not going to erase all the knowledge that you've gathered. Just having a new title is not going to change what you can offer as a professional, what you can give to the world. Or, you know, Tanya and I will help you to send us a message on LinkedIn. We could be your next career fairy godmothers. I absolutely love Mana's advice at the end there, especially for entrepreneurs re-entering the workforce. It's really challenging to find the right advisors to turn to. But one thing we entrepreneurs past and present know how to do is to think outside the box. I know you have to run, but is there anywhere that people can find you or should follow you these days? Yeah, LinkedIn. I can pretty much find me anywhere online as Manamika, M-A-N-A-M-I-C-R-E. LinkedIn as well, M-A-N-A, M-I-C-A, on TikTok as, I think, Mana, I-O-N, pretty much anywhere I am Mana Mika. Well, thank you so much, Mana, for your generosity and for, I'm going to say it, your vulnerability today. It's been really helpful for me, and I know it will help plenty of others. Thank you, Tanya. And you keep doing the good work. I'm one of your biggest fans and supporters. And it all started with the tweet up. It did indeed. Back <laughs> in the dark ages. <laughs> in our culture, we receive so many messages about staying the course and fighting to the death, especially as entrepreneurs. But let's face it, life is really short and it's important to know when something isn't really for you anymore. I really admire Mana's bravery here and sharing the highs and lows she went through while making this critical decision for her business and her life. 
So what about you? Are you feeling the urge to quit something that isn't quite matching your life right now? Whether it's entrepreneurship or something else, I hope this conversation helped to reassure you that it's okay to change your mind and that there's a way to quit gracefully. Like Mana, your quitting might even provide someone else with the big opportunity they've been waiting for. So as always, it's great to hear from you and how you've managed some challenging what now moments in your life. Please continue to share your stories on Instagram through your stories or DM the What Now Project to share more. I'm always looking to highlight other dynamic and strong individuals. Why not you? Thank you so much for listening. If this story resonated with you, there's more where that came from. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Got a what now moment you'd like to share with us? Whether it's in the rear of your mirror or you're in the thick of it right now, your story could be featured next. Let's talk. Find the What Now Project on Instagram and slide into our DMs. Take care.